0: This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on.
1: Hello, and welcome to Sex and Science Hour. This is episode number four. Hello, nurse. Oh my. I thought you were going to say hello, nerds. That would be accurate, too. (laughs) And we mean nerds, of course, in the most positive way. In a very positive way. We ourselves are nerds. I was once
0: the king. Yes. That's
1: right. (laughs) And uh, I'm Stephanie, and you are Brian. Yes. Thanks for joining us today. By the way, we both have colds that we're getting over, so please excuse our runny noses and coughing and stuff if you hear it in the background.
0: Please be very kind with this episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. (coughs) (coughs)
0: Yeah, that's basically us right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Brian, we better be careful because, okay, so we should say before we start out, we are pre-recording this show. By the time it airs, we are going to be in Texas where everything is bigger for the big Bitcoin Conference, the Texas, <laughs> Texas Bitcoin Conference in Austin, keeping Austin weird, as we will do. Uh, uh, we'll, gonna, we'll
0: definitely bring the weird level way up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we are going to be there. And actually, Sex and Science Hour has had a little bit of a um, time slot change on the Let's Talk Bitcoin network. We are on the Let's Talk Bitcoin network. We used to air on Monday nights on the radio on KCAA. So in case you listen to us there, we are now on Thursday nights at 8 Pacific. Because in the words of Adam B. Levine, the uh, program director over there, the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network. We're a little bit after dark.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's it's pretty safe, and you, you wouldn't wouldn't you wouldn't really want to be on during Monday night football anyway. Not not that football's got a year before it starts again or a few months. Well, that's anyway.
1: true. That's that's a good point. So but Thursday I, I was night's just, nice. We're too sexy for Monday. We really got to go with the uh, the Thursday night slot. That's
0: right. Yes, that's Ooh, yeah. what people say when they see <laughs> us. Uh,
1: <laughs> so, in the spirit of talking about traveling. We are going to have to be careful, I think, when we're going through the airport, Brian. Hopefully we'll make it back to episode, um, what what will it be, five so the be following week? five
0: by then, yeah. yeah.
1: hopefully we'll make it back because apparently the TSA is out for Bitcoin. They're looking for people who have Bitcoin stickers okay, on their I was about, stuff.
0: Yeah, I was about to ask, how are they out for Bitcoin? I mean, it's not like they can go looking through your bags. Is there any Bitcoin in here? Well, you know. <laughs> that's
1: kind of what they tried to do, showing a lack of understanding about Bitcoin because it's not a physical item. Uh, they told somebody that uh, we see some Bitcoins in your bag and we're going to have to search it. Uh, this is coming from Davi Barker. Davi is actually um, a friend of ours. He, We just saw him at the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, which we were just at um, a week before we, we recorded this or so. And... Uh, Davi had flown from California to New Hampshire to go to the Liberty Forum. He had a great time. And he makes these things called shiny badges, which are little lapel pins that have sort of freedom oriented messages on
0: them. And Very he also high makes, quality. They're, they're beautiful.
1: Oh, yeah, I definitely would recommend them. I love shiny badges and uh, they don't grant extra rights either. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he has he has some Bitcoin badges in there. They're not really badges. Just to clarify once again, they are just called shiny badges because it's a kind of a way to make fun of people who wear shiny badges and think that it does grant them extra rights. Exactly. Uh, Anyway, so Davi was going home. He was going on his merry way back to California where he's from. And apparently he got stopped in the airport by the TSA and he was wearing a Bitcoin Not Bombs hoodie, which, you know, you could say... Oh well, of course he got stopped because it said bombs on the hoodie. Well, it doesn't say anything about bombs. Actually, yeah, it, actually it just doesn't, right. has a picture of a plane um, that's meant to be a bomber, but it doesn't look threatening at all. It's just, it looks like a plane, and there's bitcoins falling out of the plane. Right, uh, and it's a cool design. It's like very famous, I think, in the Bitcoin community. And he, of course, is part of Bitcoin, not bombs, who makes those, who makes that apparel, uh, and also does help for Bitcoin-related charities um but yeah i guess that kind of raised their hackles or raised their suspicions and then he got kind of questioned by the behavior detection officers Right. And they kind of stopped him and uh, asked him where he was going. And he kind of thought they were joking. He thought maybe it was somebody that he knew. And he said, well, I'm going to Earth, the northern part or something like that.
0: Or, or, well, they're asking him where he's from. Oh, and yeah. And he said, I'm from Earth. Uh-huh. And then they asked where. Well, OK, could you be more specific? It's a reasonable answer.
1: Said, yeah, and, I'm an Earthling, right? <laughs> yeah. And he says, well,
0: I'm from the northern part, you know, of course, meaning northern hemisphere. And uh, then... You know, then apparently they got uh, they got serious at that point.
1: Yeah. And uh, he was kind of scared about this. And his wife, of course, is a civil rights attorney. um, And so he was. Like, hey, I, he was about to say I'd like to talk to her, but then somehow, uh, you know, they decided he was not a dangerous threat and they let him go, basically, is a short version of the story. And we'll link to the blog post that explains this whole thing. But uh, needless to say, it was uh, kind of freaky. So uh, be careful out there if you're going through a line where people are searching through your bag and looking for something to get you on.
0: Yeah, I'm shocked we're not hearing this more because clearly... Uh, when you read the blog post, you'll see that the TSA, at least according to Davi, has really no understanding of what Bitcoin actually is. I mean, it seemed like at first they're looking for something physical, uh, which, I mean, unless you have a casacious coin, you know, you don't. There are no physical Bitcoins. Right. And with that in mind, you know, they, they could just pull anybody. I mean, I, I think if if you're wearing a Boston Bruins jersey you might be in some trouble, you know, because oh, that looks like the Bitcoin symbol. That's
1: funny because yeah, I, I was uh, somewhere out in, at a restaurant or something, and I saw a woman wearing a Boston Bruins shirt. Right, and I thought it was a Bitcoin shirt. Yeah, no, I don't blame like, it. It looks like it. Similar. Yeah,
0: they they look like it, and so it's uh, you know, this is crazy. This is what happens when you have you know a uh, an organization that is just so overreaching, you know. At,
1: Yeah. And they can essentially do anything they want. I mean, one of the things that Davi pointed out in his blog post was that, you know, this kind of policy is decided completely in secret. You know, it's all extra legal. It's all it's just these policies that they kind of put in place and then revoke later, just like the the um, X-ray machines that you had to walk through and just like, oh, now some people don't have to take off their shoes, but other people do. And it's just silly. It's security theater. It doesn't keep anyone actually safe. No,
0: no, uh, it doesn't. It's
1: designed to maybe make people feel safer, or some people feel safer, but uh, there, most people just feel tyrannized.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's little to no evidence that the TSA actually does, you know, like...
1: No, like, and they fail their their own internal screening tests. Yeah, yeah um, the red
0: teams get through all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, they, they, it's it's a failure and a waste.
1: Yes, all a consequence of the failed war on terror absolutely and uh speaking of wars on things that uh, probably shouldn't be very scary uh (laughs) that was a lot of booing (laughs) uh brian the mormons have declared war on masturbation now i actually love this because every time somebody declares a war on something like the usually the government the war on drugs the war on poverty the war on uh Terror, well, I I mean, I don't love that those things get bigger. Of course, I want them to go away, but any war on something doesn't make that thing go away. What it really does is it creates a bloated uh, federal budget. We could say a a swollen federal budget. They erect a lot of um, buildings and they their budget just becomes massive and uh, <laughs> inflated. And, and uh, you know, nothing really happens to actually get rid of the thing that they're supposedly fighting against. And oftentimes it, it grows bigger.
0: Yeah, it definitely grows bigger. Um, and, you know, I mean, you take like the drug war, you know, that hasn't stopped drugs. If anything, it's made them, you know, more appealing to Mm -hmm. a lot of people uh you know right or wrong that that's that's what it does uh terror you know the war on terror is just making more and more you know people mad at foreign policy
1: right and Uh, i wish i hadn't started off with saying well i I love this but i was actually referring to the mormon war on masturbation because i was like these bad things that we want to go away drugs and terrorism and crime and poverty yeah like we really want those to go away masturbation i'm I'm pretty happy with that getting yeah. some extra promotion. Yeah, if
0: this war, you know, this is definitely the war I want the Mormons to lose. Uh, and, you know. And I if,
1: think they've already lost. Yeah, I think so.
0: <laughs> I think they've lost for a few thousand years.
1: Well, get this. They've got a, uh, a PSA that has like a military theme. It's called Wounded on the Battlefield. You want to hear this?
0: Please. Wounded
1: on the Battlefield. <laughs> Very serious.
0: The temptations of the Great War are many the battles are real and the strategies are clever the enemy is cruel ruthless and relentless we must not underestimate the danger we must be vigilant and valiant
1: and it's showing a boy going alone into his room
0: confused young man Gets addicted to pornography. Okay, I think I've seen enough. It right. Okay.
1: <laughs> and he's he's sitting there in a glow of a computer screen, like, looking at it, like, very blankly. Presumably, he's looking at porn.
0: Okay, first off, there has been a couple studies recently that said that, uh, guess what, you're, you're not addicted to porn. So, you know, it's it's not like that's just not true. Okay? Right. Now, you can take the the other evidence and, you know, people can argue about the evidence back and forth all they want. Now, I know we kind of made light. We, we sort of made a joke out of, you know, these various wars and the war on masturbation and all this stuff. But to somehow compare, really, seriously, in a very serious tone, to compare and contrast the war or the problem of masturbation to... You know, like to an actual war, war by using that ridiculous music, by using all the tones and like, you know, on the battlefield. It's and
1: incredibly all this. emotionally manipulative. Oh, I mean, is it? it? The masturbation is a normal part of life. Everybody does it. it there's, it's not going to drive you crazy or You're blind. Gonna go blind. You're not going to go to hell. All it is, is if you own your body, you can touch any part of your body. And if you do that in a way that makes you feel good, that's great. You're feeling good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah now they are kind of conflating masturbation with porn, which you know perhaps there some people might have different issues with porn than they do with the the simple act of people touching themselves. but um they've kind of really managed to mash those two together, and I don't think that's exactly correct, no, nor
0: fair right. uh, it's a yeah th- this is this is i mean it's funny, like at the same time, but that video takes it from funny to what the hell are you doing over the top? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what are you trying to convey? It's just
1: sad. Cause I feel bad for people. Like there are going to be people who really take this to heart and listen oh, sure. to it and believe that there is something wrong with them for wanting to, uh, masturbate and watch porn. And I'm sorry, there's not, that's incredibly normal human behavior.
0: Right. Right. And I mean, and I'm, and does this article talk about how they're, you know, trying to do something about it in the, in the state house in Utah at all? Or, oh,
1: I didn't see that part. Did you? Uh, no, I, I don't. I'm, I don't recall. No. Uh, okay. Well, what they they had was like excerpts from Mormon pamphlets that tell you how to um, overcome your habit of masturbation. And I mean, maybe some people. Okay, maybe some people feel like they masturbate or have sex compulsively. They don't enjoy it or whatever. That's not the majority of people, and right. not everybody wants to change their habits. Right. So leave them alone <laughs>
0: yeah yeah stop vilifying stop shaming them with yeah. these
1: videos that are just so over dramatized yeah i agree just go ahead and masturbate yeah you know, it's let, okay let people um do it while you're listening to this show really i yeah, mean don't tell free. us about <laughs> it but you know <laughs> you are free to do whatever you want with your own body because you are your own agent you're your own sovereign individual so have at it have fun let the fun uh, begin right <gasps> <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, so we've got another article here. There's a baby that has three parents, Brian. So what happened here is it's a baby that it was born to uh, one one of the women who is in a relationship with another woman. And they have a male friend who is the biological father of the child, because obviously, you know, two women can't. That doesn't work. They can't have a baby (laughs) that they are both the mother of. Um, So they, you know, they had to get a sperm donor. And so they used this guy who was their friend. And apparently there is a law in British Columbia where they live that lets you put three names on the birth certificate.
0: Okay, so it can't be more than three. It's just.
1: Uh, Yeah, it it doesn't really say, but I guess it can't be more than three.
0: Right. Well, I mean, yeah, of course, if it's two women, then Mormons would be okay with this. (laughs) Well, then they in a be, way, you know, in, in a roundabout, they wouldn't way. be okay
1: with the whole lesbian he, thing, right? 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 Not
0: out in the open, anyway.
1: Right. I mean, if it was one, if it was man that was married to two women, apparently. Yes. I, although they supposedly they no longer like the mainstream Mormon church does not endorse polygamy. Before we get all kinds of hate mail from yeah, Mormons, it's like no, yes, we, we don't, yeah, we know that you don't endorse polygamy, but there are, of course, you know, some sects of fundamentalist Mormons that do. But what do you think about this, Brian? Do you think um, children? With three parents? What do you what do you think about that idea? I think it's wonderful. I think
0: the idea... Sometimes
1: it can be too much, you know, just it, definitely for a single parent, it's really difficult Oh yeah, um, to raise I, a kid on their own. Yeah, and, and even I, for two parents, sometimes it can be a lot.
0: I think it can be way too much. I
1: Now, I don't know about the father, if he's actually involved in the kid's life. Right. But at least he's on the birth certificate. So apparently that might give him some kind of legal rights. Which, I don't know, I mean, the state getting involved in family court cases, that's difficult sometimes, right? No,
0: that's true, and I certainly don't want the state to, like, really recognize anything. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I mean, this is comforting that at least people are open to the idea that, you know, why does it only have
1: to be two people? Mm -hmm. uh... Or maybe that three people might share some kind of responsibility for parenthood. Sure,
0: and it's just, it's more love. That's all there is to it. It's more love. And before people say, it's like, well, it's a biological thing. Uh, biological what i mean that, that that so what you know what you can't love somebody i mean you're not yeah, biologically I would think, I would related think if the guy wanted to be
1: on the birth certificate then he wants to maybe have some kind of stake in the child's life going going forward right like he wants to he doesn't want to be just like erased from history no right. just give right. up his sperm and go yeah know? yeah
0: and of course if two women want to raise a child go for it you know that's okay
1: so I think we got to uh, take a break, but there's definitely more coming up. We've got some interesting listener emails on the way, and uh, also something that might surprise you about selfies. Stay tuned. This is Sex and Science Hour. EasyDNS is the Swiss Army knife for your domain names, helping meet their customers' individual needs since 1998. EasyDNS has been an outspoken critic of SOPA and CISPA. EasyDNS was an early supporter of Bitcoin and now they are proud to sponsor this show. Do business with a company that shares your values. Get a 13% discount when you pay with Bitcoin. Go to bitcoin.easydns.com and be sure to use discount code LTB. Sex and Science Hour is part of the Let's Talk Bitcoin network and we are so excited. Wait,
0: wait, wait a minute. What's Bitcoin?
1: What's Bitcoin?
0: What's Bitcoin?
1: Well, you'll have to listen to Let's Talk Bitcoin to find out. It's a twice-weekly podcast, and you can find it at letstalkbitcoin.com.
0: Okay, I gotta know.
1: Yeah, you really should probably get on that. It has a whole network? Yeah, we're part of it.
0: How did I not know about this?
1: You must have missed the memo that we were on their network. Anyway, now back to Sex and Science Hour. This is Sex and Science Hour. Welcome back to the show. Yeah. We are on episode 4. Brian, there's somebody in the US government. He's a senator and he has called for a complete ban on Bitcoin, saying that it's bad for consumers. It's going to defraud people. Probably there's a there's a reference to the word Ponzi scheme somewhere in there. Doesn't I- look like he understands Bitcoin really how do you do
0: a face palm on the radio you know that that's
1: i don't I know we got some sound effects yeah
0: we've pulled this one out a lot lately <laughs> there's plenty of booing to go around <laughs> when it that's another one we yeah can. <laughs> that's certainly what i do if someone uh because i can't imagine the senator was yeah. making like this great case
1: No, Uh, I I can't imagine that either. I mean, actually, it really reminded me of um, there was this guy, Ted Stevens. He was a senator from Alaska. And back in the 90s, he made these statements about the Internet. Like he was trying to say that he got an email from one of his staff and it didn't for whatever reason. He didn't receive it until like the next day or something. And he. But he called it an internet, not an email. And he said, "I got an internet from one of my staff, and it didn't get to me because the internet was clogged up." And it's a series of tubes, and so he was really uh, famous for making this comment about this series of tubes. And uh, somebody made a parody video of that. And oh yeah, he also said like the internet is not a big truck. I don't know what he was talking
0: about, (laughs) but uh, he's meaning you can't just like load everything into it. And
1: I guess I think you understood it better than me. this the is the video is not a big truck. The Internet is not something <laughs> that you just dump something on. The Internet is not the Internet is not a big truck. Internet. So his comments were it's, it's, it's a series of a tubes. Series of tubes. Yeah. Not- so his comments were immortalized uh, on the Internet by somebody who made a parody video out of them, which is one of the great things about the Internet memes yes. and parodies and so forth. And uh, I think somebody should do this for this senator from where is he from? West Virginia. Uh, who, Who wants to ban Bitcoin? His name is Joel Manchin.
0: Yeah, I think someone should do the same. Uh,
1: Joe Manchin, excuse me. It is
0: common. You know, this is just like the Internet, where, again, the Internet didn't, you know, the the government didn't understand the Internet back then, in Mm -hmm. the early 90s. They don't understand Bitcoin now. No. uh, Regardless of how many times Gavin goes to the CFR, I'm sure they still don't understand (laughs) it. Okay. Uh,
1: See, see, this is why I think it's really kind of, I feel really bad for the Bitcoin folks who are trying to work within the system and to educate the Congress people about Bitcoin and to show them why it's good and why, you know, like we could have some regulation, but, you know, go easy on us. Just give us a little bit of freedom and permission. No, they're never going to give you the freedom and permission that you're looking for. The whole point of Bitcoin is not to ask for permission. And all the arguments that this guy made against Bitcoin, they could all apply to cash too. Sure, he was but- like, yeah, it can be used for black market purposes. It can defraud consumers. Well, you know, cash is printed by this agency called the Federal Reserve. You right. know, it's backed by the basically the, the faith that people have in the government. Right. And, you know, but this is so... funny. And fu- it can be used for black market activities, too. And it has been. And it's the amount of cash that's used for black market activities is way larger than the amount of Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But it's so funny because people are looking to these you know to to the government types to senators like this to protect them or to legislate yeah, or regulate yeah that's the problem i think but they don't understand they didn't under they didn't understand the internet nope. they still don't understand the internet Yep. Uh, you know and and they how could they understand bitcoin and you can keep telling them you know that it's okay but it's it i don't think that it changes anything i agree with you and
1: i mean just to show how like the The misunderstanding or the lack of understanding. Uh, This guy said that Bitcoin is bad because it has uh, it's it's deflationary. And he he said that it had 98 percent deflation compared to 1.3 percent inflation shown in the consumer price index. (laughs) Now, people should be able to use whatever currency they want to, you know, whether it's inflationary, deflationary or whatever, whoever it's issued by, that's just a freedom thing. Um, Just like people can pick their flavor of ice cream, you know, Um, having 1.3 percent inflation means that if you save money, it's going to be kind of evaporating at a rate of 1.3% a year unless you invest it and it has some return on the investment. But if you just put money under a mattress, of Federal Reserve notes or fiat money, then it's going to be kind of eat, eaten away over time. Right. And actually, the dollar has lost 95% or 96% of its value since nineteen the early 1900s. So over the last 100 or so years, a little bit more, um, the value of the dollar has changed quite a bit.
0: Yeah, no, it, it's absolutely true. And, you know, but part of me actually really wishes... That they would just go ahead and ban Bitcoin, because I feel like they're just chomping at the bit to do it. And everybody's so terrified. Everybody's talking to the to these people, the senators, the regulators saying, OK, look, no, no, we'll play nice, nice. Just let us keep our Bitcoins, you know. And it's like, no, just just ban it. Just stop the tease. You think it would become more valuable? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And because guess what? If they did ban it, it's not going to stop it. They banned it in <laughs> Russia. You think Russia's having
1: a problem? Yeah. You know what else no. is banned? Torrenting. Right. Did that stop it? Do you know yeah. what else is
0: banned? Marijuana. Yeah, so are lawn darts.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, lawn I mean,
0: darts, right? <laughs> come on, you can still get lawn darts. It's madness, you know. That's a great example because it's, it's so harmless, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, then someone's going to email us and say, oh, no, I'm lawn actually. darts
1: kill, right?
0: My cousin died from, uh, from lawn darts. And if that really happened, I apologize. But come on. Yep,
1: yeah, it's pretty much madness. Brian, we do have a listener email I want to talk about on the show. We have a a letter from Jess. She writes in saying that her boyfriend is bisexual. And yes, she can assure us that male bisexuals do exist. So we have at least one report from the field.
0: From the field. I love it. (laughs) Awesome.
1: Yeah. And like we we said on a show a couple uh, episodes ago, you know, of course, not everybody is bisexual, but not nobody is bisexual either. There are some bi's out there, probably more than admitted or identify as bi. Sure. But it's not everyone and it's not no one. So I, I, it's interesting to hear from a real live male bi or at least the girlfriend of a live real live male bi. Jess actually said that her boyfriend gets stereotyped a lot because when people find out that he's bi, they think that he's just attracted to anyone. That's another myth about bi's, by the way, that they're they're They just want to have sex with everybody. And no, that's not true. Just like straight people aren't attracted to everybody of the opposite sex. Yeah, exactly. Or gay people aren't attracted to someone, everybody of the same sex, right? That is actually a myth about gay people, too, is that, oh, gosh, don't let them in the locker room. You know, they're going to want to just have sex with everybody. Well, no, you can be gay, but it doesn't mean they're attracted to you. Hey, and there was a paper that you found that was published in a... I'll say a a journal, a scientific journal that is reserved for publishing very controversial scientific papers. Oh, yeah, this is controversial. Yes, uh, this is the journal PLOS One. And PLOS One is a journal where it stands for Public Library of Science. And it is a journal that is not peer-reviewed or is like limited peer review. Right. And so it's meant for controversial findings because then your colleagues can't keep you out of it because they... Don't like what you have to say or whatever. They can't which, like veto it. I'm sorry, which happens often in science, yes, it does. yeah, you might feel uh pretty disgusted when you hear about this
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, the title of the paper is Complete Genes May Pass from Food to Human Blood. Now this is what the like this is what people say who are concerned about genetically modified foods. They say that, like, oh, the genetically modified plant DNA can get into the human bloodstream and it can actually transform you into the mutant frankenfood. And I never believed it when I heard that because it doesn't sound, you know, they don't really, they're not really backing up their claim They're just kind of making this claim and throwing it
0: out there. You are a biochemist.
1: Right. And it's like, well, what's the evidence for that? And I'm not even sure if I believe this PLOS-1 paper, but it's very interesting to bring up, right, Uh, that this this could happen. So what this paper says, and this is from the abstract of the paper, is here, based on the analysis of over 1,000 human samples from four independent studies, we report evidence that meal-derived DNA fragments – which are large enough to carry complete genes, can avoid degradation through an unknown mechanism and enter the human circulatory system. Now, what this means basically is there is DNA from plants in your diet, foods that you eat, that can somehow get into your bloodstream, which is not supposed to happen.
0: Right. <laughs> and that's kind of the scary part.
1: That's the scary part, yeah. And another thing that they found was like they did an analysis on a pregnant woman, or at least more than one, but like some pregnant women, and there was plant DNA in the mother's blood, but not in the cord blood. So it didn't get into the fetus's blood, but it did get into the mother's blood. Wow! So whatever was happening, it wasn't affect. It wasn't crossing the placenta, but it was crossing the mother's intestine, which was really interesting. Now they also said that people who have Uh, inflammatory diseases, so people with like Crohn's disease or Kawasaki's disease, which are autoimmune inflammatory diseases, had more plant DNA in their blood, which basically supports the leaky gut hypothesis, where people get inflammation and then like little fragments and particles of their food get out of their gut into their blood. And then that begets lots of food allergies and who knows what else. So... What what does this mean? I don't know, but it's kind of interesting because if if DNA from plants can get into your blood, can those genes be expressed? Can there be plant proteins that somehow get translated in your blood? Yeah, Do you I become mean, what you eat kind of thing?
0: <laughs> right, you are what you eat. Yeah. But I think a lot of people instantaneously read this and run to the conclusion where, you know, that you mentioned before, mm-hmm. uh, conspiracy theorists where they say oh, you know, this is proof that uh, that GMOs, they're trying to actually change, you know, the human condition. They're trying to change what it is to be human, you know, what humans are, and that they're creating a, a new race of humans that are going to be docile so the government can control them, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, and sure, like, I, I understand where, where this is, you know, kind of... Uh, because these people have been saying this for years. Yeah. Is that they're trying to control us through what we eat. Okay. And so for this to come out as sort of the first, you know, semi credible Uh, evidence. But
1: yeah, I mean, this phenomenon wouldn't be limited to DNA from genetically modified plants. It could be any plant.
0: Right. Exactly. It's
1: just that, like, what are the genes that are put into genetically modified plants? Well, sometimes they're bacterial toxins that are meant to kill bugs that are eating the plants. Right. Sometimes it's resistance to pesticides. And, you know, who knows what those might do to a human? So are these things really safe? And I mean... I always kind of poo-pooed the health effects of genetically modified foods, except for the idea that, you know, maybe if you're messing with a plant genome, it could create new proteins that would cause humans to be allergic to them, and it could mm-hmm. increase the incidence of food allergies. Okay, I'll buy that one. Uh, and also the environmental damage that comes with spraying all these crops just wholesale with Roundup and uh, uh, herbicides that are meant to kill the weeds, but um, spare the soybeans, right, that are made by Monsanto. Um that's bad. Environmental, you know, pesticides be polluting rivers and stuff like that. That's not good. Right. Uh, and of course, the the whole suing little farmers because some pollen blows over onto their field and then they surreptitiously take a sample at the farmer's market of their plants and say, oh, you have our genes and you didn't pay for a license. So pay up and the farmer goes bankrupt just with the court costs. I mean, that is a real problem. Yeah, those right? are real
0: problems. Yeah. This one is hypothetical. Okay. Yeah,
1: until now. Now there's some evidence. Like there's, there is some evidence, there is at least a kernel of truth, a corn, a genetically modified corn kernel of truth to what the GMO people say.
0: Right, right. right. But the, the for this to be planned by, you know, some some multinational body or whatever mm-hmm. would essentially require an entire field of science being worked out for years and years and years and nobody knew. You know, and this isn't engineering. Okay, this is... Human biology, really, really complex stuff. Yeah,
1: a lot of times when scientists try to plan something all perfectly, something goes wrong, you know, because yeah, there's I just so many complex factors. So yeah. I, I think it would be really hard to orchestrate some kind of grand conspiracy. But but the conspiracy that I see is like, yeah, we can patent these things and look, yes. get a bunch of money by suing yeah. people. Yeah, that's the conspiracy that's I, the, I see. Right,
0: and, and those are very real and I think valid and provable concerns where everything else is like, okay, come on, we don't have to go that far to know that this is a pandemic.
1: Right. We've got to take a genetically modified snack break. This is Sex and Science Hour, and there's more coming up. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to our new show. Yay!
0: Yeah, I mean... You already love it, you know. Hopefully. Hopefully. If we're
1: doing our job, they love it. And if you love it, it would be great if you could help us spread the word because it is a new show. So not too many people have heard the good word of Sex and Science Hour. You know, maybe you could go around and, like, knock on some doors and say that you have some good news for people. Yeah,
0: you don't have to carry a book for this either, but maybe that would help in a white shirt and tie. And
1: yeah, you know, look presentable. Maybe you could carry around like a little tablet instead. And yeah, Help yeah. people subscribe to our podcast feed. Yeah,
0: and just, you know, have you have you heard about Sex and Science Hour?
1: That would be wonderful. So, yeah, if you could just go ahead and do that. Sunday morning is the ideal time to be doing this, and uh, we'd really appreciate it. Tell them to go to sexandsciencehour.com, and it's really for their eternal salvation. I mean, you're really doing people a favor
0: by doing this. So. Or you could just share it on social media. Right,
1: and we do appreciate it. Thank you so much. And now back to the show. You. Sex and Science Hour. Welcome back to the show. Brian, we got to talk. Hello. I can't be in that picture with you because I'm really trying to watch out for cooties. I don't want to catch whatever you're given. Cooties? Yeah, I'm afraid that if I am in the picture with you, if we take a selfie, I'm going to get lice because I saw an article in the Huffington Post saying that selfies cause lice. Wait a minute. I'm bald.
0: I I shave my head.
1: (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) So obviously I'm being facetious, but there was an article that I read today in the Huffington Post saying that selfies could spread lice. Now, this was just the most unbelievable scare campaign that I've ever seen. (laughs) It was like they had quotes from doctors saying that, you know, usually it's young children that are at risk for head lice. But I've been seeing a lot of cases in teens now because they're putting their heads together to take cell phone pictures. And when they put their heads together, the lice can spread from one person to another.
0: Wow. Yeah. Talk about scare campaign. And for what? Like what? I don't even understand... Who's so worried about selfies? I don't. Know. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know. That's a good question. I mean,
1: I can't say like I'm a huge fan of pi- what I what we call picture culture, which is like everybody yeah. takes a picture of everything all the freaking time. Yeah,
0: all the time. I mean, pictures are nice, but like it's getting crazy. It sometimes. can get <laughs>
1: yeah, I can get overboard, you know. Uh, but to say like don't be close to your friends, don't don't hug your friends. Uh, don't stand next to them close enough so that like cooties could jump from one person to another. I mean, this isn't even sex. This is just standing next to each other in a close fashion, like you're taking a picture or something. Right, right. This isn't even something that's really that fun, you know? <laughs> yeah. And now they're saying you can get cooties for this. Is this just like a way to demonize all kinds of touch? I, I don't know. It kind of makes you wonder, you yeah, know? Yeah,
0: I, I do wonder. I think there's so many things. You know, one one thing that annoys me is the handshake. You know, let's have a good hug. You know, forget the handshake. It's fine. Really? I don't want to hug everybody.
1: You no. know, like there's no, I don't want to hug everybody. Sometimes people don't smell good. Sometimes you're just not on that level. I don't know. Yeah. But I like I would like to hug more people than probably it would be considered generally well, socially just, appropriate to hug, but not everybody. Sure,
0: but that's the thing. But I think if people were used to being closer, I think perhaps a lot of the issues you just described wouldn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're, they're like there's studies where, you know, kids need uh, 10 hugs a day or at least that that's a that's an optimal amount of, of connection to make. And I think maybe if people were a little more connected and they weren't worried so much about lice from. you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, gosh, if you are walking around in fear, living in yeah. fear that you're going to get bugs on your head if you take a picture with one of your girlfriends. Right. That that seems to me more stressful than if you actually got lice. Maybe like the point oh one percent chance
0: that maybe you would get lice. You know? Yeah. This just this sounds so much like don't go outside. You know? Yeah. Don't, don't do it. Don't yes. leave the house. You know? Exactly. I, I mean, in fact, you are creating when that kind of mentality creates so many problems.
1: Why leave the house at all? You might get lice. You might get hit by a bus. You know? Like life is full of risks. Oh yeah. Right. And the reason that we drive the reason that we have sex, the reason that we eat sushi or other types of food is because we get pleasure from those things. Sure. Yeah, or they enabled us to do other things that give us pleasure. Sure. And to avoid doing them because there is some risk and zero risk is acceptable, uh, to me, doesn't seem like, you know, the whole picture is being taken into account. No, it's you got to
0: live. <laughs> You're, no, you really do. And people need to keep in perspective that even the Huffington Post— You know, pick your flavor of news source. They got to make money. Okay. So do a lot of these doctors where they got to make money. So they have to come out with outrageous claims that get people's attention.
1: This is maybe clickbait, too. Yeah, it's it's
0: clickbait at best. Oh,
1: yeah. I I have to admit, the way I found this was it it worked on me. I saw, oh, sure. (laughs) I was reading a different article and I saw a headline that said, the disgusting reason not to take selfies. And I said, ooh, what's that?
0: (laughs) But you proudly sacrificed yourself so that no one else has to click on this. Then they all know it's crap. Yes. I am like
1: I'm like the sacrificial lamb of selfies. You are the Joan of
0: Arc of Science.
1: All right, have we said enough controversial stuff in this episode yet, Brian? I, I think we, it's pretty
0: controversial. We could do a little more. We I get suppose. we
1: get in trouble. We have some hate mail that we're going to do on the next um, show, the next episode, episode five, that I think you're going to love. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think we've said enough like uh, inflammatory things. Uh, <laughs> we've said enough inflammatory things on this episode so far. Um, so I want to talk now about how to stop caring what people think because I think we could. Uh, <laughs> I think we could use that.
0: Oh, yeah. This is uh, this is something I think everybody could use.
1: Yeah, definitely. I you posted this article on social media, Brian, and I just thought it was great. So I thought we should probably talk about it. It's not particularly about sex or science, but it is kind of a human interest, personal development kind of article, which I always appreciate and like.
0: Oh, yeah. it's And it's a good thing to talk about. Uh, I mean, especially, you know, when you're doing a radio show or podcast, uh, pretty important to have a, a thick skin. Yeah. A thick
1: skin. I mean, there's always a balance between, this is kind of getting into shop talk now, but there's always a balance between listening to the feedback that you get from your audience and, um, like being overly receptive to feedback because some of the feet, honestly, some of the feedback that you get is constructive and useful. And some of the feedback that you get is crap.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't help. (laughs) Right. You can get feedback where a person just clearly didn't listen to you at all. They just want to be listened to. Yeah. Uh, you know, they,
1: And that's saying something, too, because I get, you know, perhaps they tuned in or something like that. And they, you know, they did not whatever happened. Some something set them off and they did not feel uh, empathized with or listened to and they didn't feel good about hearing the show. And I am sad when that happens. You know, we try to be inclusive. We're we're talking about some hot topics sometimes and uh, sometimes people don't like it. But, hey, you know, the best way to please everyone is to never have an opinion to never state it, you know. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. yeah. That's... To never
1: talk about anything that matters, right?
0: Yeah, that's the Winston Churchill line, uh, you know. You...
1: Yeah, I'm not getting the exact quote, but it's something to that effect, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's that, uh, you know, if you made enemies in life good, that means you stood up for something. Right. Uh, and yeah, I don't, you know, I'm not saying I like Winston Churchill, but uh, but it's a pretty fair point.
1: Right. Well, he stood up for something, too. That's why you don't like him. See, he made an enemy. Yeah, he was doing right. it right. He, that's right. Yeah,
0: he, he worked, you know, he was the state. So he, he made an enemy of me.
1: Yeah, that's why you don't like him. And me too. But anyway, uh, so according to, from this article, how to stop caring what people think. And that's not the real title, but I'm just sanitizing it for radio here. Um, ironically. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was a study that was done uh, that claims that people have about 50,000 thoughts per day or more. That I, I find that number incredibly high, but okay. Really? High? Yeah. yeah. I wonder what counts as a thought.
0: That's a good question.
1: That means that if somebody thinks about you, Brian Sovereign, 10 times in one day, that's only 0.02% of their overall daily thoughts.
0: Oh, they think about me a lot more than 10 <laughs> times a day. But. Well, even if they thought about you <laughs>
1: 500 times a day, that would still be only one percent of their yeah.
0: either way. It's very minuscule.
1: <laughs> yeah. You'd only be occupying a small percentage of their thoughts. So I, that helped that put it in perspective. Right.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah, I, I agree. It definitely did. Um, yeah.
1: So the next thing they say is you can't please everyone. And this is like this is something I can't hear enough You know, it's so helpful to hear that because you got to be reminded of that. You really can't please everyone. And if you try, who ends up miserable?
0: It's you. (laughs) Yeah, sure. And especially I think a lot of, uh, you know, society in general kind of tells women or you know, girls.
1: Oh yeah, uh, growing up. That, I definitely yeah. got that message. You're supposed to be nice. You're not right. supposed to hurt anyone's feelings. As if you're responsible for other people's feelings. You're not
0: right. And then you know, men are supposed to. You know, the only thing they can feel is mad, you know, yep. or anger. And so it, it's it's a it's an interesting thing. But I think that's a message in particular that needs to, Yeah, I, I think needs to be said to uh, particularly women, but really everybody. That no, you, you can't please everybody.
1: There was something in here about when people worry too much about what other people think, they become, you know, people pleasers and they become overly accommodating to everyone else, thinking that it's going to stop other people from judging them. But in fact, most people do judge them because they sense that the person is um, a pushover or has no boundaries well, of their sure. own.
0: And, and what's to judge? And they judge them for that, right? <laughs> what's left to judge, you know? Who are you? Y- yeah, you know that's, I mean? like, that's always
1: <laughs> a danger. Yeah, like Marshall Rosenberg, one of our the authors that we like. He's um, oh, yeah. he came up with uh, the idea of nonviolent communication, which is or compassionate communication, which is a way of um, communicating, a strategy for communicating empathetically, connecting with other people. Anyway, he has a book about that, and he calls them nice dead people. <laughs> right. Like there's a bunch of nice dead people walking around because they're they're very nice. Right. They're polite. Sure. They accommodate everyone else's what everyone else wants them to do. But they're dead inside because they don't have a sense of their self. They don't know what they want to do. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. And and that's a real problem. You know, if, if we could just you know, this is something I mean, people act on self-interest, whether they, in my opinion, whether they want to admit it or not. Yeah. Every action you do is self-interest. Mm-hmm. Even something you think is sacrificial yeah. is you, you're weighing a cost-benefit, okay? And so if you have no idea what you actually, like, want, uh, I boy, I don't know. It's a scary... Yeah,
1: but, I mean, from very early on, a lot of us are taught that it's a virtue to sacrifice your own desires and to let other people impose their will on you. And I reject that. And oh, I think yeah, you did I, too. I, yeah, no, and that's I, I why do. we're libertarian outcasts from society. So. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really, but I mean, that's why you know we live a kind of an unconventional life. We do a lot of things that you are not supposed to do. You're sure. not supposed to work for yourself. Sure. I mean, You're not the, supposed to, you know, not clean their, your house or whatever. You're not supposed to sleep, like, past a certain time of day. You're supposed to have a nice, stable job. You're supposed to have kids. You're supposed to settle down and get married. You're supposed to have, buy a house and a car. And uh, we haven't really done any of that.
0: No, thanks. And it feels
1: great. Yes, it's very <laughs> freeing. Not not to knock anybody who that's what they genuinely no, want to do. If you want to do it, that's fine. But if you want to do it, that's great. Yeah. If your parents want you to do it, that's another story.
0: Exactly, and you don't want to do or it. Or if it's what society expects you to do. Yeah. Again, I mean, pleasing society is the same thing as being a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. They're 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 synonymous. Uh, and you know, again, you're you're giving up yourself. And you know, this is something. You, it can feel like so much pressure, though. You know, have you ever just had that feeling, like,
1: oh my god, what are people going to think of this? I have definitely experienced that feeling, and it is not
0: a pleasant feeling. No. It's not. But, but eventually you do feel comfortable in the fact that you are asserting yourself. Mm. And I think an important thing that a lot of people don't realize is that because that kind of attitude of not being a people pleaser, of not wanting to sacrifice, a lot of people take that as, wow, you know, you're really selfish. You're really, uh, you know, just looking out for number one. Well, here I want to flip that around on you. That's just to shame you into doing what they want you to do. (laughs) Yeah, it is. But let me flip that around, is that if you're thinking about number one, meaning you're your best person that you can possibly be, how much more helpful are you to everyone around you that you love when you're your best? Yeah,
1: it seems like everyone else who wants to tell you how to live are the ones who are being selfish. No, you should do what I want you to do. (laughs) Yeah,
0: right, (laughs) right. right, Exactly. They're being selfish. Yeah, no, I mean, you being happy, you doing what you want to do, amazingly, actually helps other people because when they really need your help, you're, you're, you're at your best. You're able to provide it. Yeah. yeah. And, and
1: you're it, taking care of yourself. You're not dependent on anyone. Exactly.
0: Right? Exactly.
1: Yeah. So this article does give some actionable tips about how to actually stop caring what people think. Um, the first tip, and, and they've Optimized it in perfect SEO fashion with a list, right? People love lists. <laughs> they love their bullet they points. Love their list and bullet points. Uh, so number one is know your values. That's very helpful. Sure. Right. Um, and it can be hard to discover what your values are if you if you've been really used to living a life that's basically for other people.
0: Yeah, or if you're basing your values on what society says, which you know not not the best move. I mean, because in, you know in the Aztec Empire, you know your values would have been well, human sacrifice is okay. <laughs> You know, and you don't want that.
1: Well, sure. But I mean, sometimes there. sometimes I'm trying to think of examples where there are widely held cultural values, at least in the culture that we live in, that I would agree with. And I'm having trouble. I'm kind of drawing a blank right now. But the point is, like, you don't want to be just knee-jerk and say, well, if it's a cultural value, then I don't have that. Because maybe you do, but it's just you have to learn to listen to yourself and what do you actually want. Right. And if that coincides with mainstream cultural values, fine. And if it doesn't, that's fine, too. Sure. The second one is put yourself out there. So, like, you know, just kind of expose yourself to situations where, Not just expose yourself, but expose yourself (laughs) to situations that make you uncomfortable, that go out of your comfort zone, like starting a blog, wearing a crazy sweater, public speaking, flirting with someone. Those are all situations where you have to do something that may be slightly outside of your comfort zone, but it requires you to speak your mind and assert yourself and be honest and vulnerable and put yourself out there.
0: Yeah, you know, two things. One is, is that the 21st century and the Internet have taught... I think has taught everybody that it's okay to be weird, you know, and <laughs> yeah. It sometimes really is. it's even f- cool to be weird. Yeah, right? Sometimes it's cool. Sometimes it's even money-making, you know, to be weird and that's okay. And the other thing is that speaking your mind, you know, it's okay. That there's a saying that, that goes around a meme uh, that, you know, speak your mind, even if you have a shaky voice and right. absolutely uh, because I don't care. Truth, you know, let, let truth out your mm. truth. Let it out no matter how it sounds. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: Uh, The third tip is surround yourself with people who are good at speaking their mind and being self-assured and living life without compromising
0: their own core values. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, how to not, like the article said, how to not, you know, care what other people think. Other people aren't going to really care what you do when you have, in my opinion, in general, when you have a consistent lifestyle.
1: Or if they do, if they do care, then that's their thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You
1: know, let go of the outcome. Like, just do what you are going to do and let go of what other people think about it. Right. That's the most solid advice in this article. So I think we can stop there. There is a little bit more, but I think that's um, that's all I wanted to cover for this this one. And just to end on an upbeat note, Brian, we saw a blog post that I wanted to share. Uh, and it was from joshwitten.com. And he says that, uh, he's writing about the next Silicon Valley and how regulations are kind of destroying all this innovation and entrepreneurship that's happening, especially in the U.S. Um, but there is one area that might be the next uh, Silicon Valley, and that is, what do you think it is?
0: Uh, 3D printing. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll give you a hint. It starts with a B. Brian? <laughs> yes uh bitcoin i assume <laughs> yes yeah it's bitcoin of course and uh what do you think about that i mean you often compare bitcoin to disco yes that too well, i was going to say the you know the internet <laughs> of the 90s but you always say well the internet had the nineteen ninety nine too. It had nineteen ninety four, but it also had nineteen ninety nine. Right. When the dot com bubble burst, right? You know yeah. there was a lot of malinvestment. People were excited but they didn't really know what was going on. And a lot of companies failed. Some made it, some some didn't, right?
0: Yeah. Well I think, you know, what in that aspect, the blog post isn't really saying anything new in that because a lot of people are you know, you go to any Bitcoin convention and everybody always says that, you know, to, to be able to easily relate it to people. They say, well, this is just like the Internet in 1992 or 1994. And look how great everything has turned out. And, uh, yeah, I get annoyed by that because it's like, yeah, well, you also had the Internet of 1999. Uh, and to think that Bitcoin, you know, would have that time come its way is might be naive. Mm. Um, but at the same what this is really saying is that wherever Bitcoin really thrives. You know, and meaning geographically, okay? because, yes, the Internet is a is a global phenomenon, but there are, you know, geographic pockets where, you know, innovation comes from. That happens to be right now Silicon Valley, you know, in in California.
1: Right. But this author was saying that the U.S. is almost certainly not the the geographic place where Bitcoin is really going to take off. What he says is. Then I'll read you a quote from the article. The next Silicon Valley will happen wherever safe haven is offered to the developers and entrepreneurs of this next great industry. These pioneers don't need government funding or overblown infrastructure or a glitzy nightlife. They just need an Internet connection and to be left alone. They need the ability to work freely without running afoul of a thousand counterfeiting money laundering, securities exchange and tax laws that, however well intended, do not comprehend and will therefore inhibit the progress of Governance 2.0. I
0: think that's beautiful to say, uh, and I agree wholeheartedly with it, Mm. um, except for the fact that there's a chance that it may be in the U.S., but I can only think of one place in the entire United States where that could possibly be, and that would be in New Hampshire, Mm. uh, which is the, you know, by whatever, by some standards, by most standards, I think, is the freest state in the United States.
1: Which has an active community of people who are right along uh, on board with this article. We don't need government uh, funding. We don't need government help, so-called. We don't need all their laws. Just leave us alone and uh, let us innovate.
0: Yeah. And by a lot of metrics, it's the Bitcoin capital of the United States uh yeah you know by all the metrics took off
1: here i would say uh, just as much as in real silicon valley
0: yeah but i mean
1: bitcoin companies coming out of new hampshire years ago
0: sure i think tech companies would do well to get away from silicon valley you know not just bitcoin companies but yeah i mean could it be in germany could it be in uh you know in argentina could it be in in panama could it be in portugal hey maybe you know but uh it's it's interesting and it is a hopeful thing because i think i think they're absolutely right this is going to happen all right
1: well you know what else is going to happen Sex and Science Hour is going to come to a close. So oh, man. Brian, thank you for being on the show with me. it has been another fun show. And we will be back next week with probably a more timely edition since we won't be uh, we'll be no longer traveling. <laughs> right. <laughs> thank you for tuning in, and you can email us your listener questions or thoughts or anything you like at, at show at sexandsciencehour dot Thank you so much for tuning in and have a great one. You've just heard Sex and Science Hour.
0: You can connect with us at sexandsciencehour.com. Game over. Play again next week.